listener production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. Join us each week as we break down one issue in global politics so that you can understand what's going on in the world right now and what's likely to happen in the future. Our host, Dr. Keith Souter, is one of Australia's leading commentators on global affairs and geopolitics. My name is Sasha Tannock. I'm a journalist. And Keith, today we're looking at Meta, or the company formerly known as Facebook. Now, this new name has been described as the company's ambition to grow beyond social media into a metaverse or virtual world. But what is actually behind this rebrand? Yes, I think there are a number of issues. One is... um this article uh, from Creative Good by Mark Hurst, and Mark Hurst clearly doesn't like Facebook. So the tone of the article all the way through, you know, he even makes in his opening comment here, people this week have been floating ideas for Facebook's new name. Mark Zuckerberg announced that he plans to rebrand the company, much like Google changed to Alphabet, or in the case of a less harmful company, Philip Morris changed Altria. That, of course, is the smoking company, the tobacco company. So, that, you know, he's, he's just being really antagonistic towards Facebook. And he says, well, the announcement, of course, is to get attention away from the congressional uh, testimony given by the whistleblower, Francis Hagan. So Ms. Hagan used to um, work for Facebook and became very distressed at how Facebook is manipulating its users. My own view is that if information is free, you are the product. And so Facebook or Google provide services for free and you, by using those services, are actually providing your data and data is the new oil. In other words, that people want to collect as much information as they can upon you, not because they want to spy on you as an individual necessarily, but just simply to build up a, a composite picture of what a young Australian woman is likely to be buying or watching or talking about. So Francis Hoogan uh, is very concerned about what Facebook is doing, particularly to young people. The rise of social media generally has also coincided with the rise of mental health issues, particularly, again, for young Americans. And so she was providing some of the evidence for how Facebook does manipulate the uh, Facebook users. And so this article by Mark Hurst is saying, oh, well, Facebook decided as a way of trying to divert attention away from Francis Hagen um, that they would go in for a rebrand. I think there's also a bigger question here. Leaving aside Zuckerberg's rebranding, there is a a bigger issue here, which is what he's trying to do with uh, virtual reality. I don't know if you've ever used a virtual reality headset. I haven't used it, no, but I've, I've read about some of the technology. It is yeah, fascinating. It is fascinating. So Jane and I were actually wearing VR and fighting dinosaurs. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and this is obviously before COVID. There's a facility here in Sydney where you can go in and you, you wear these, these headsets, these virtual reality headsets, and then suddenly a whole new world emerges. And you actually feel like you're in it. Did it yeah. feel realistic to you? Uh, yeah, yeah, and you've got con- methods of controlling it. So in my case, uh, Jane and I were having to fight off dinosaurs. So we catapulted back in time, uh, you know, millions of years ago to when the dinosaurs were roaming the earth well before humans appeared. 
and you then spend time firing arrows and trying to kill the dinosaurs as they come for you. Right. There are a number of things that you do in this VR studio here in Sydney. Uh, You'll find that the aged care industry is also using VR headsets as a way of enabling a potential aged care resident or their next of kin to get a feel for a facility. So instead of having to journey out to the facility, you can just put on this VR and go for a walk around the facility. Incredible. So it some is, of the applications are worthy and quite interesting. Absolutely. Yeah, they're not just for children or for overgrown children like <laughs> myself. Uh, but th- this was actually very useful. And, of course, you can imagine uh, eventually um, VR being used as a training tool, etc. So clearly VR is a way into the future. So I, I'm not opposed to VR as such. Now, the reason for the controversy with Facebook is that Facebook will, will data mine you. Remember, data is the new oil. So it will want to know what you're looking at when you're in the VR universe. Well, they're calling it metaverse. So meta means beyond. So you talk about metaphysics. So this is metaverse. So this is a universe beyond the one in which you're currently seated. So you and I could carry out conversations in a VR world of some sort, which could be perhaps while we're sitting down at the bottom of the seabed doing an interview on maritime uh, waters being destroyed or something. You know, there's, it's almost endless. What Facebook are about, because of the concerns that people like Mark Hurst have about Facebook, the feeling is, look, if, if Facebook are going into this new era of virtual reality, it's not because they want to do it for the benefit of humankind. They want to use it as some sort of marketing tool. Mark Hurst points out that every few years they come up with a new slogan, such as giving people a voice. Later on, it was building community. So this, this meta is, is part of that rebranding, perhaps coming up with a new approach although the cynics like Mark Hurst remain unconvinced because they're still saying, look, you're using Facebook to data mine, to collect information about people and perhaps uh, trigger mental health issues for younger people. So Zuckerberg is still not being particularly sympathetically listened to, but that is the background to it. And it's focused on virtual realities or augmented realities. So well, in fact, what will happen? So they're about to launch Facebook with Ray-Ban. So Ray-Ban is a well-known brand of, of sunglasses. And as you walk along the street, Facebook will be able to monitor what you're looking at and they'll be able to see what ads really work or whatever. It's endless, isn't it? It How is endless, information absolutely. They will be able to mine. Is it somewhat ironic that the term metaverse then was originally coined in a 1992 sci-fi novel, Snow Crash, which was actually set in a dystopian future. (laughs) And yet here we are uh, looking at, you know, sunglasses that can really give so much information to these big companies. It's it's fascinating. It is absolutely fascinating. Now, of course, what Facebook would say is, oh, yeah, but don't forget that if you wear these glasses, remember we had the Google glasses a few years back. So um, I would look at you and then I'd be able to say, oh, this person is aged such and such, her interests are such and such, et cetera or you walk through Sydney and you look at a particular building and your glasses will recognise the building and tell you when it was built, how it was built, who's owning it, et cetera. And particularly if you're in the real estate business, that would be very helpful to you. 
because you'd be able to walk down the street and look at all the values of the houses as you pass by. Now, that's not happening quite yet, but that will only be a few years away. So some really fascinating applications, but I guess to Frances Hagen's point or the evidence she's given it, you know, that information may be useful, but it's about how these big companies deal with that information that's the real concern. And they would say, look, we've got to finance ourselves, so we've got to mine your data. After all, you're getting it for free. What are you going to give us in return? And you give us your data. I think that's the uh, reality that's evolving. People are realising that originally Facebook was a social interaction tool for a lot of people, but now uh, it's so much more than that and we're giving up so much more information, aren't we? Exactly. You're listening to Global Truths with Dr Keith Souter. I'm Sasha Tannock and, Keith, today we're talking about Metaverse or the company formerly known as Facebook. So, Keith, as we've discussed, is this ultimately about power and control over the masses and inevitably monetizing that control? Absolutely. And um, the argument here advanced by Mark Hurst is that he's saying, look, we're heading into a matrix-type world. Um, where the whole purpose of the matrix is obviously to make money out of people and to control them. And that's basically what we will do. So in a, we already have something like this in a, a very small way called Second Life. I don't know if you've come across that. So Second Life is a way that you can have well, a second life and you can do commercial transactions, et cetera, on a screen. Now, what's happening is that we're moving on a stage from that. So instead of just doing it on a screen, so in other words, you you build yourself a house or you buy a house and you go into the street and you meet people and you start friendships, et cetera. Or you can be playing these sort of giant war games with people from around the world. So that's, that's the old style. Now we're moving into this augmented reality and virtual reality. It's a whole new era that's opening up. I might just say one of the, the warnings I keep giving people is the impact of Moore's law. So Gordon Moore was one of the founders of Intel and 50 years ago predicted that the power of computers will double every 18 months to two years and would halve in price every 18 months to two years. And that that process is continuing. Now, we will eventually reach the year of singularity, which perhaps is about 2045. And in that year, we will have a computer which is as intelligent as a human being. And of course, the IT will then go away and double again and then double again, and then you've got to wonder what's going to be the role of human beings. (laughs) You know, what are we here for? They might keep us on as pets. Um, So that's that's the impact of Moore's Law, and that's what we're seeing now. So something which starts out as a a toy for children, second life, where they can live in a village and interact with people uh, or play war games across continents, et cetera. So many kids, people's kids are doing right now. Exactly. And And getting more and more sophisticated. Mm. Now we're going to move up to this new stage, this metaverse stage, where you'll just live by wearing this headset and you will live inside that headset, which is the Matrix. And it sounds like a sci-fi movie, doesn't it? (laughs) But as you pointed out, there are many practical applications, so it's not all bad, but it's interesting to see where that evolves. It is. And, And this is really the problem, I guess, with all technology, that you've got some, well, let's just take something as humble as the knife. So the knife is useful to cut up your meat, but it could also be used as a dagger to kill someone. So it's this dual nature of technology. And we're seeing that now, as I say, with the virtual reality. On the one hand, it'll be a way of controlling people 
and uh, making the, the matrix come alive. On the other hand, it's a, a good industrial usage, such as enabling people to see what a potential home would look like if they were to go into an aged care centre. Uh, don't forget, we're already selling properties now online uh, through auctions, and you do the inspections online. And COVID certainly escalated Absolutely. some of those aspects, yeah. and it's been very helpful during COVID from that respect. Yep. Yeah. So who can we trust then in terms of controls? Does it need legislation? I mean, can we trust the companies themselves with all the power to put controls in to protect people or does it need legislation? I mean, it's a complex issue to try and solve. Well, that was the Francis Hagan testimony in Congress because years ago in the United States, they decided not to try to control the big tech companies. And instead, they, they were allowed to operate as a platform as though they were a newspaper and they wouldn't be subject to the normal controls that you would expect for somebody who's putting information out into the public domain. People are saying, look, we really ought to be finding a way of controlling it, which is why the Australian government has generated so much international interest because of its own attempts at trying to regulate the tech companies. There are a lot of overseas tech companies who are monitoring what Australia is trying to do at the moment. And nobody's quite solved the problem. There's uh, no. many people grappling with this issue. So do you think people need to think twice about how much information they share with these social media companies? I mean, it's, it's inevitable this technology will evolve. It's part of our future. What can we do as individuals then to protect ourselves? Well, I, I avoid social media, including LinkedIn. It takes the Australian champion white hat, as he's called, black hats are the bad guys, the white hat who gets employed by the big banks, say, to hack into their systems to test them. It takes him 93 minutes between selecting a name at random on LinkedIn and emptying the victim's bank account because he uses the names that are on LinkedIn, links them up with Facebook and Google Earth and Google, creates the identity of the victim and then is able to contact the victim's bank and say, oh, I've forgotten my password. Could you let me into the account? That's scary. Remember, this yeah. guy is on our side. He's a white hat, so he <laughs> never actually steals. But I've, I've seen him now on a couple of occasions give presentations about how you do that. He doesn't say at the end, the magic phrase about how do you actually get into the bank account? <laughs> <laughs> but it gives us all the rest. But if those of us who are connected with any sort of security conference or any security activity, you end up paranoid. And we're always horrified at why people give away so much information. That's why CIA were amazed the way in which Facebook could get so many of their clients to reveal so much information about them. And so CIA said, we need to have a back door to get into every computer to be able to follow all these Facebook clients because you guys are harvesting the data that we want for being able to monitor people. Wow. And so Facebook is, is therefore, in a sense, uh, assisting with the intelligence agencies. But people enjoy that social connection. So the reality is not everyone's going to agree to not be on social well, media. Yep. So it's about protecting how much information you give out and... Is that well, the solution? Well, I wish you the best of luck. <laughs> One of the presentations by this white hat uh, uh, was actually a security fellow at a well-known company, and he clearly knew there was a problem, but we were able to see who his wife was, and she talks all the time, including giving information about where she collects the child from a game of football. But we don't want to be too paranoid about it. I mean, most people are using social media uh, to be social and share information with their family and friends. But I guess it's about thinking twice about just how much information is on there and 
it's really a, a complex problem that's going to need complex solutions into the future. Yep. That was this week's episode of Global Truths with Dr Keith Souter. Make sure you tune in next week when we'll break down one issue in global politics so that you can understand what's going on in the world right now and what's likely to happen in the future. Listener.